fade in. Exterior, a redwood forest. Twilight. Full moon rising between trees. Green city limit sign next to dark highway. Dissolve to. Sign. White block letters. Arcadia, California. Population 16,179. Freeze frame. Superimpose. Episode 71. Internal rhythm. Sunday, July 12th, 2009. You know those kinds of situations where something is a really bad idea, and everyone knows it's a really bad idea, but they go with it because they don't have any other ideas? That is where we're at. We need more information, and the only way to get that information is by talking to Thomas's ex-mom, which is a weird thing to call someone. Like they got divorced or something, which I guess they kind of did, or... Maybe Thomas got emancipated. Talking to her is a really bad idea. Like, dangerous, possibly deadly, bad. But anyone else that might know is either equally dangerous or will absolutely not give us accurate information or won't talk to us at all. I am still so disappointed in Mr. DiCaprio. He's been kind of a jerk and everything, but I thought when it really came down to it, he would... But he didn't so it doesn't matter. Will said she left us a message in the hands of the first child of the bargain. Will is really messed up. I'm, okay, I'm sort of hoping that if we talk to her, she'll leave him alone or something. I want to try to work out a way to help him too, and maybe we can do that by working with her directly. But then I worry that might be pushing our luck. The most important thing is getting the information we need and trying to negotiate for Will on top of that. (sighs) Thomas keeps reminding us that everything is going to have a cost attached and that we have to be completely sure that we understand what we're actually agreeing to pay, and I think that doing something for Will is going to be too expensive. But the first child of the bargain was Tansy Falconer. Well, technically her and her brother, but her brother came back and Tansy never actually did. I don't think I ever talked about that on the record, actually. Apparently they kept Tansy Falconer, like, forever. I mean, as far as I can tell, I I read about all that before I had the context to understand it and then had everything else to think about, and honestly, I just forgot, but they did keep her. With all the other kids, including Hawthorne, her brother, there's a record of them being found again, wandering around somewhere in the Timberland exactly the same age as they were when they vanished, which, according to Leah, is pretty par for the course for kids taking to Fairyland or wherever. But Tansy never came back at all, which is probably why she's got the statue and not any of the other kids. It's weird, and has a lot of potential implications that I am not going to think about, because we are already working through way too many other things. It's almost like trying to find out about and fix over a hundred years of really well-kept secrets is a difficult and time-consuming task. Leah, of course, wants to know what happened to Tansy, but Leah wants to know everything, So, we are prioritizing. Right. So, the statue. It is a door, like we thought. I could tell right away, which was a relief, because after the thing with the door of hearth, I was worried that I couldn't hear them anymore or something, but I can, and it is. We talked about closing it, but decided to listen to her message first, which ended up being a good idea, because we need to leave the door open if we want to talk to her in person. Which we do. Sort of. I mean... We don't want to talk to her, but 
we want the information she has, so we want to talk to her. The message was right where she said it'd be, in the hands of the statue. Inside the orb thing, actually, which Leah said was a weird take on the Globus Cruciger, aka the ball with the cross on it that the Pope holds. She knew the actual name, because of course she did. The curator's message was on a tape. Thomas said that was a compliment. She was showing us respect by using the same medium we use, but it felt so weird. Out of place, or something. Like, since when do fairy lords use compact cassettes, you know? I don't know what I was expecting. Someone that sounds more like the monarch, maybe, which she doesn't. I mean, she does, but not. Not really. It's it's like she was raised in the same place, but speaking a different language, sort of. She doesn't sound the same, but she uses words the same way. Kind of. Really, she speaks better than he does. With the monarch, it's always like he's trying to figure out how to say things, like he has to work to find words and then to put them together in a way that means something close to what he wants to say, but not exactly, because he obviously doesn't want to be too clear. She's not like that. She still puts words together in weird ways, but not like it's because she can't figure out another way to do it. It's more like she's She's enjoying speaking. Like, with him, it always feels like he'd really rather not be talking. She... Okay, I mean, I know I've only heard the one recording, but... It feels like she's having fun. Actually, I'm just gonna play the recording and stop trying to explain. There are stories told about you. More stories than you might think. Told in places you are unlikely to know. Once I tell you, realize, discuss you. I listen, have listened, am listening to them all. Some of those voices tell stories naming you antagonist, irritation, a rotten place in something otherwise sweet and sound. Others tell you as puppet, arranged and administered, string pulled. I hear, have heard, am hearing many stories told in those voices. The way they fall to fail, fight to find the words that confuse the thought and thing, and I wonder if you might instead be called inquirer, explorer, seeker of knowledge. If it could be that you only want to know, and if process in that pursuit rather than by the machination of principalities and powers, nor even by your own willfulness. Have you heard my stories? The words of my own devising? Or have you created me in your mind, built from the accounts of others, filled with their inclination and intolerance? We should speak. Show me yourself what it is you are, anger or curiosity, light or blessing. And I will, in return, give speech, sounds in the air, answers to questions, through which we, together, may discover if we may create an accord between us. Find me, Seeker, next to Moondark, at the last unkept door, at the time when that day becomes the next. That door should remain open and unkept. A closing or claiming might be seen as a token of chosen allegiance. Yeah. See, it's poetic, I guess. So, that's her. 
and we're meeting her, but not for a couple of weeks. Leah worked out that... What? Moms, are you going to get... Right. They took Thomas clothes shopping in Eureka. Hang on. I'll be right there. Well? Uh... Hi. Hi. How are you? Fine. Did you need something? Mm, no. You... You asked me to come over. Yesterday? When we talked? We did talk, right? That actually happened? I didn't... It was... Real? We didn't, did we? It was another... Well... Fuck it. Bye, Nico. Have a great life. No. Hang on. We talked yesterday on the road to Falconer Lumber. Yeah? I asked you to come over, like you said. Sorry, I've just got a lot going on right now. Me too. Um, would you like to come in? Never mind. You don't have to pretend to care what happens to me. I'm not pretending. I care about what happens to you. You're the only one, then. Come inside. You can sit down, if you want. Um, right. Yeah. I... You said... How are you? And your mom's. What? Oh, we're... We're fine. Uh... How's... Your dad? Fine. So, um, what did you want to talk about? Look, I know you have this deal with her, and she's making you do stuff that you don't want to do, and you think you can't get out of it or whatever, but I think you probably can. Or maybe not get out of it, but, like, work around things so you don't have to do stuff for her. Because Thomas says that even though deals are almost always actually really bad for people, uh, us humans, I mean, if you look carefully, you can find loopholes. So there's got to be one in yours, or more than one. We just have to figure out where they are. We just need to know what your bargain actually is. What the terms are. Oh, it's safe to talk here. Now, it's safe to talk here. It wasn't. There was a door here, but we, Leah and Thomas and I, closed it, and Holly reinforced the wards or whatever, and there's an eclipse seal on the building, so it's safe. I mean, as safe as things can be. It's okay. Really, we're actually getting kind of good at this stuff. Not, like, great, but pretty good. And I know with all of us working on it, the moms, Leah, Thomas, and me, we could... Hey! Where are you? Don't... Will, we can help! God damn it, Will. We can't help you if you won't let us. 
Thomas and the moms are back from shopping. I need to check in with them about the message from the curator and what happened with Mr. Baldwin and all of that, and I will just not write this minute. I know they have my back. The moms, I mean, I want to tell them stuff, and I will. It's just really hard. It's like trying to talk about, I don't know, sex or birth control or needing to get a jock strap or something. It's not bad, and I know they are totally fine talking to me and that I need to have the conversation, but it feels weird. Even with Holly, and I know she's gone through some of the same stuff, it's still really personal. There are too many kinds of clothing and too many rules about how it must be worn. Hi, Thomas. Remember that whole knocking before entering thing we talked about? Yes. Hi, Nico. I would like to complain about clothing. Okay. It is confusing and terrible. Right? But what makes you say that? Pants. I'm apparently required to wear them. Yeah, people aren't generally cool with someone running around half-naked. I understand that. I do not understand why my options to avoid running around half-naked are restricted to these. Or shorts. Shorts are ridiculous. Sure. I wanted to get less confining clothes. I found them. But Holly said I couldn't wear them. And bought me several pairs of these instead. These are stupid. I told them I wanted to dress like Leah does. She never looks uncomfortable. All the necessary parts are covered. Your rules for that are stupid, too. You know what? Fair. I am grateful that they bought me clothes. They bought me so many clothes. It didn't seem like that much to me. I have ten pairs of socks. What is the point of socks? Um. And underwear. Why is there clothing that cannot be worn on the outside? Why do we have to wear it when we are already wearing garments that can? Well. And belts. Karen says belts make pants stay on. Why not get pants that fit? I don't I know. I have ten socks and four pants and eight shirts and two belts and fourteen underwears. How do I know which of them belong together? Are you asking me how to pick out something to wear? I am sworn to Falconer House. I must present myself in a way that does not decrease its worth. At the high school. Oh. Okay, no, I get it. Yeah, I'll give you a hand. Actually, there's this website I found that, like, breaks down style cohesion and color matching and accessorizing and stuff. It's been so helpful, I... Thomas, are you okay? Yes. You're crying. Right. Okay, I'm just going to... Is it okay if, um... Do you want a hug? Do you, uh, have any idea how we could talk to Elliot? Without his dad showing up, I think we're going to have to get him out of the house entirely. Elliot, not his dad, because he's not going to feel safe to talk while we... Thomas? What the... Don't do that. You have always seen me before. When I didn't want to be seen. You didn't this time. I thought you didn't have their power anymore? 
since you traded names with Delphine? I don't. You just turned invisible. Yes. How? I don't know. I think we should... Ask Leah. Smash cut. Black screen. Over black, roll credits. Nico McCleary is played by M. German. The curator is played by Reese Terrado. Will Sudsworth is played by Thomas Fleming. Thomas Falconer is played by Cale Brown. Arcadia, California is a production of Law of Names Media. It is written and directed by Lee Seguente and edited by Eric Seguente. More information about the show and its cast can be found in the episode notes or at arcadiacalifornia.lawofnames.com. Fade out.